This is Crime Connections. We're your hosts. I'm Leah. And I'm Jackie. I have yet another case that took place in the early 1980s. I usually do cases that are more recent, but this one caught my eye because it actually took place in Toledo, Ohio in the 1980s, and it's still unsolved to this day. Wow. I heard of this case a little bit here and there, and I actually asked my mom if she remembered anything about it because she grew up in Toledo area. Mm -hmm. She was born in the 60s. I'm like, you were old enough to know when something was going on, and she kind of remembered it. Um, So this is the case about the disappearance of Cynthia Anderson. Cynthia Anderson was born on February 4th, 1961, and she lived a relatively normal life right here near Toledo, Ohio. She had a close-knit family, she lived in a strict Christian community, and she was said to be attractive, quiet, obedient, and very friendly. She had a boyfriend that she was very excited to be attending a Bible college with Mm -hmm. at the time of her disappearance. When she was 20 years old in 1980, Cynthia started having these terrifying and vivid nightmares of herself being abducted and murdered. Wow. So she, again, lived a very normal life. She didn't have any traumatic things happen Mm -hmm. to her in her childhood. And kind of out of nowhere, she started having these really horrible, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. In these nightmares, Cindy, so her name was Cynthia, but everyone called her Cindy. So from now on, we'll just kind of go for Cindy. But in these nightmares, Cindy would be at work and there would be a knock on the door. She would look to see who it was and she would realize that it was a man that she recognized. Cindy would let the man in and then he would start to chase her. She would be running away from him, desperately trying to escape And eventually, the man would catch her, abduct her, torment her, and then kill her. What the? Now, I have had my fair share of nightmares and, like, night terrors, but never to that extent. Well, and it's, was she watching a bad TV show? No. What was, No, so her sister has given interviews, and even her mom has given interviews, because she would call her mom and just be in tears, Mm -hmm. and her sister would overhear her talking to her mom, and Cindy would just be beside herself. And her mom would always try to console her and tell her that, you know, they're not real. It's just a dream. It's nothing to be worried about. But for Cindy, it was very real. I mean, yeah. she was being murdered in these dreams. So Which for her, it was just an absolute crazy. It was yeah. terrifying. Cindy would try really hard to shake the nightmares during the day. And she would constantly remind herself that it was only a dream. But that became increasingly difficult for her. Because not long after she started having these nightmares, a message showed up outside of her employment that read, I love you, Cindy, by GW. This message was painted on a stone wall outside of the building Cindy worked at in Toledo, Ohio. At this time, Cindy was working at a law firm on a Manhattan Boulevard in Toledo as a secretary. The message was painted over because it was causing her distress so it was so it was there for six months that's a long time and then they painted over it and a couple weeks after it was painted over the same message reappeared no way yes and the message was unsettling because it was written the way where it was written seemed to be as though it was specifically there for cindy 
because it was she had a window in front of her desk and when you looked out the window that is the wall you saw oh, so and that knew. is that's creepy. the message she saw every day while she was at work so when it was covered over and then rewritten the rewritten the rewritten message was actually a lot bigger and a lot more profound it was like oh more my. bold more loud like be see me this is my message to mm-hmm. you so that would make anybody unsettled you're having these nightmares and these terrors and then all of a sudden this, this message is happening shows up. Yeah. yeah it wasn't long after the message appeared for the second time that an unknown caller began calling the law office and harassing cindy and it wasn't just cindy that was unnerved by the message and the phone calls that she was consistently getting almost every day her fellow employees at the law office were also fearing for her safety so the lawyers that worked there and the other employees advised Cindy to always leave the doors locked, even during normal business hours. And they actually had an emergency buzzer installed under Cindy's desk so that if at any point in time she felt unsafe and she felt like she needed assistance, it was like a silent alarm and it would alert the nearby businesses wow. that she needed help. So it wasn't just the law office that was kind of like knowing that Cindy was being harassed. It was neighboring businesses as well. And they all kind of just teamed together to try to make her feel more safe. Oh, that's so sad because that's like, that's a really cool movement. I don't know. The fact that the businesses came together and was also concerned for her safety and that that her boss took it seriously enough to do all this and to put these procedures in place. Mm -hmm. And then yet she still... She still ends up becoming Oh, my gosh. The day before Cindy's disappearance, a client had actually come in to pay his balance at the law firm. He recalled that as he was paying, the phone rang. Cindy picked up the call, and she almost immediately hung up. And then the look that was on her face was one of pure horror. And then the phone rang again. And she picked it up, and she didn't even answer it. She just picked it up and hung it up. The client asked Cindy if she was all right, and she assured him that everything was fine, everything was okay, but the client wasn't convinced. He was so disturbed by how terrified she looked after picking up that first phone call and hearing who was on the other end. He actually called the police when he left the law office and asked them to please just go check on her because he was very worried for her safety because of how terrified she seemed. Wow. So the day before, he called the police and he said, I just, there's something not right. I mean, she looked as though, like, white as a ghost, just mm-hmm. terrified. The next day, August 4th, 1981, Cindy went to work around 8.30 a.m. At this time of day, she was usually the only one in the office. So everything was locked. She went in. She forwarded the calls so she would start answering them. She turned the air conditioning on. And all the doors and windows were locked. She was the only one in the office. And the only way to gain access to the office was by her opening the door or having a key to get in. Mm. So she's in there by herself. Yeah. Witnesses recalled seeing her around 945 a.m. at the office. So I don't know if maybe they were walking into work at like a local business near the office and they saw her through the windows. The window, yeah. And they saw her working. So we would know that around 9.45 a.m. she was still at the office. Around noon, the lawyers that worked at the office would start to arrive. Upon Dang. their... Well, if they went to 
court, court. Oh, first. Duh. Yeah, okay. And then, I know, I thought the same I'm thing, like, too. I'm dang. like, man, I got the wrong job. Literally. <laughs> I want to go. in at noon, go home at five. <laughs> yeah. But then I thought about it. Um, and They're actually in court. Yeah, yeah. That makes much more sense. Yeah. That's what I said, too. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> Lawyers go to court. That's the thing. Upon their arrival, they immediately noticed that Cindy was nowhere to be found. They each walked throughout the office. They were calling out for her. They were searching for her. And it was just very strange and eerie to them because the lights were on and the door had been locked from the inside. They had to unlock the door with their keys to get in. Hmm. (laughs) One of the lawyers stated that when they walked into the law office, it smelled like nail polish remover, which I don't really know what to make that that, one mean because that doesn't even really smell like alcohol like nail polish remover is a very specific smell yeah it's very distinctive but regardless that was something that was noted and another lawyer noticed that the calls were not put on hold anytime that cindy would leave the office and she knew she was gonna be gone for a little bit of time she would put the calls on hold so the phones wouldn't incessantly ring over and over and it would go to like an automatic voicemail or something the phones were still ringing when the lawyers arrived at the office at noon Another eerie discovery was that the romance novel that Cindy had been reading at the time was left open on the desk and it was flipped to the most violent part of the novel where the main character was abducted by knife point. Also, yeah, super, super eerie. I feel like this is a stalker. Mm -hmm. We're getting more into it. It didn't take long for the lawyers to call law enforcement. They clearly knew something sinister Mm -hmm. was going on here. They immediately believed something wasn't right. I think as soon as they walked in and they knew she wasn't there, I'm sure they all were like, okay, Aware of something, wrong. yeah. Once law enforcement arrived, police surveyed the scene and they found that there was no sign of a struggle. Cindy had not left a note of any kind. And if she had been abducted, her abductor didn't leave a note either. Her car was still parked in the law office parking lot, but her keys and her purse were missing. Hmm. To this day, Cindy's social security number has never been used, and she had a really large amount of money in her bank account, and that has never been touched. I'm shocked that it's still even a thing. There was no sign or indication at the time of her disappearance where Cindy might have disappeared to. So they literally are left with nothing and again this is in the 1980s they don't have surveillance cameras Mm -hmm. around these businesses yet it was still something that yes it was invented it was invented in like 1950 i think but it was not used in businesses yeah yeah it was seen probably as like a luxury that not many people felt was necessary yeah like a jewelry store or something yeah phone records showed that cindy was answering calls up until about 10 a.m that morning with the knowledge that Cindy's keys were missing, it was believed that that's how the abductor had locked the offices back up. So either the abductor or Cindy locked the door back up when they left. Police began Which to wonder. Which would make sense because her keys were missing. So clearly yes. she or the abductor took the keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Police began to wonder if Cindy had initially let her attacker into the law office. Might have been somebody that she knew and went with them during some kind of a ruse. Mm-hmm. They found a way to convince her to leave the alarm that was installed for cindy to activate if she ever felt unsafe was never tripped so immediately police are believing that 
she was lured out of the offices and she took her purse and she locked up behind her and that's why i mean the novel thing still kind of like irks me yeah a little bit but that could just that could just be a pure coincidence at the end of the day when you really think about it it could be i feel like that's a pretty crazy coincidence it is but once we get a little bit more into it you might kind of think like maybe that really had nothing to do with it well it also my mind as of right now is wondering what do they have a cleaning service not that it was ever reported in any because of the sources. I feel I'm feeling vibes of like some freaking janitor, Mm-mm. or something. Um, and all the sources, no, that was never anything mm. that was ever touched on. Right away, Cindy's family made sure to speak out, and they were extremely adamant that Cindy would never just run away because again we're in the 1980s and she was early 20s so immediately people are thinking she could have just run away maybe she didn't want this life anymore yeah but her parents said nope there's absolutely no way that that's what she would have done she gave her two-week notice to the law offices and she was getting ready to go to bible college with her boyfriend like she had her life she was looking forward Yeah. yeah and a lot of her friends said that she kind of had this new perspective on life she started taking better care of herself. She was exercising more and she was putting all of her energy into her job and getting ready to save up enough money so she could go off to this Bible college with her boyfriend and she saw a future with her boyfriend. So she didn't give any indication whatsoever to anyone that she was unhappy with the life that she was living. Yeah. So left with very little to go on, police decided to really just start with the basics. First, They looked into the message that was left outside the law offices that said, I love you, Cindy. The initials in the message were GW, so they tried tracking down who that could be. They found that the maintenance man in the building where the message was written, so again, this is not the same building the law offices are in. It's Mm -hmm. a building like right across the street. That was written on you. That maintenance man had the initials GW and seemed to fit their description. Hmm. But (laughs) they could never find any concrete evidence that would tie him to Cindy's disappearance. Which, when I say it fit their description, there was never a description of a person per se, but I think what they meant was that this man fit the description of someone that could have had the means for being able to write the message on the building. And kind of also, if you think about how when they have a serial killer, they have Mm -hmm. a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A profile. Profile. Thank you. And so they probably had somewhat of a profile for who the person, the stalker would be. Yeah. Yeah. Another suspect. So once they ruled out the maintenance man, another suspect, which again, I just, mm, same initials and everything, but apparently wasn't him another suspect that they came to was jose rodriguez jr who had been arrested on drug-related charges he rose as a suspect because he was a former client of the law firm rodriguez made it known how extremely unhappy he was with his lawyer from the firm richard neller because richard didn't well rodriguez believed that richard neller did not adequately represent him Mm. at a trial where he was found guilty so he believed that he should have been found innocent if the lawyer, lawyer would have tried harder. harder. Yeah. So they thought maybe he abducted Cindy 
as a way of getting back at Richard Neller for not helping him get out of the charges he was up against in court and tried kind of sending a message to Richard Neller, like, look what happens when you don't do what I ask you to do. But investigators couldn't find anything linking Rodriguez to Cindy Anderson's disappearance. They looked into a few different possibilities, but they could never find a connection linking any of them to Cindy Anderson. They looked into serial killers named Anthony and Nathaniel Cook, who were brothers that were found that had killed women in Ohio during the 80s, but no connection could be made. They also tried finding a link between Cindy and another convicted killer that was in prison, but no link could be found, and they never released the name of that convicted killer in prison. Hmm. Uh, To this day, we don't know who it was. Weird. But they just said, oh, no link is found, so it's not him. But we don't even know his name. In September of 1981, so about a month after Cindy disappeared, an anonymous caller phoned the police and spoke in a whisper, stating that Cindy was alive, being held against her will. The caller refused to give her name, and the officer that spoke to the caller said that she appeared to be very nervous and very unsettled during their conversation. The caller stated that Cindy was being held in the basement of a house that was white, and sat next to another house that was owned by the same family. The caller said the family was out of town and their son was the one holding Cindy captive. But before police could gather any more information, she hung up. She ended the call. So they couldn't even trace the call because she hung up so quickly. It's almost like she knew. (laughs) The same woman called back a few minutes later, and while the officer on the call was trying to get more information from her and just kind of try to track where she was calling from, Another officer picked up an extension to listen in on the call and see if he could be of any assistance. And it's almost as though she heard him pick up that Mm -hmm. extension. She immediately hung up and she has never called back. Weird. So this, I, me personally, I think this was a, like, not relevant. I think this is someone that called in and was saying this and I don't know if maybe she could even have been like schizophrenic but I don't think it has any relevance see I almost could believe it due to the fact that Ohio has had quite a few people that have held women for multiple years in their house that's very true so that just like triggers me and I'm like you know what maybe (laughs) this could be real I just I don't know I I think that if it were real I think that she could have I mean, I don't know. I just think she could have given better information or more information. Unless she's also being held captive, though, and doesn't know where they are or whatever the case may be. They could never find a white house. They could never find two homes that were owned by the same family where one of them was a white house. And any white house that they searched, like, the basement for, Cindy wasn't there. Hmm. So nothing came of that either. Years passed, and there was no sign of Cindy. The man that actually wrote the message, I love you, Cindy, did come forward, and he stated that the message was meant for a different Cindy. I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) You mean you're telling me, one, it was painted over, and you felt the need to write it twice. Bigger. And it just so happened. Right in her eye line, and it happened another Cindy. Come on. But yet again, investigators couldn't find a link between that man and Cindy's disappearance. So it was just written off like, okay, I guess it wasn't meant for our Cindy. Okay, could they find the Cindy this guy was talking about? That has never been revealed. They just wrote it off. Because I'm curious about that. 
I don't we don't even know the man's name that wrote it. They just said like, oh, we know who wrote the message and it wasn't meant for Cindy Anderson. It was meant for a different Cindy. And that's all that they would reveal about it. I feel like they're being ignorant. So do I. And we're going to get into why I think they're being ignorant. It wouldn't be until 1995 when another theory emerged regarding Cindy's disappearance. So this is where she's in crackers. We're going to kind of get into this. And this is kind of um, the theory that I'm going to spend some more time on because this is the theory that I support myself Mm -hmm. personally. Um, So we'll get into it. But in 1995, again, Jose Rodriguez Jr., he's back. Remember, he was convicted of drug charges. He was really mad at Richard Neller at the law firm. He was once again on trial for drug charges. During the investigation into these drug charges, a witness came forward and stated that Rodriguez had confessed to killing Cindy in order to send a message to his lawyer, Richard Neller, for not getting him out of those previous charges that we had talked about. But what was more alarming was that not only was Rodriguez convicted on these drug charges, but so was Richard Neller, the lawyer. What? It was found out that Richard Neller had a lot of ties and dealings with like a drug ring in Toledo, and he was involved in drug trafficking. Wow. So this brought the theory that Cindy could have overheard a conversation between Rodriguez and Neller that she shouldn't have heard, or... She overheard a conversation that would have proven Neller's involvement in drug trafficking while he was working at the law firm. Mm -hmm. Investigators did look into the witness's claim, but without any evidence backing up any of the claims, they couldn't press charges. I think this is the most substantial theory, and it answers a lot of questions because they didn't have surveillance cameras. So Richard Neller could have come to the door. He had a key. He could have unlocked it, Mm -hmm. could have come in. Cindy wouldn't have thought anything was wrong. And she would have trusted him because he's her boss. Yes. And he could have sent her on an errand. Yes. And been like, I need you to run at the store at this time. Lock up the office because blah, 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 blah. Exactly. He could have found, could have come up with a ruse to get her out of the office And I think that he could have been working. I don't know necessarily if he was maybe working with Jose Rodriguez. It could have been Jose Rodriguez. But I do think that he was working with someone in the drug trafficking, like, world, which we know is very scary. Mm -hmm. Very real. Real. And once you kind of, like, get involved in that, I mean, it's what they can do to make people disappear you think is only in movies but it's real life and it's unthinkable yes so i for one second i do not believe that she just kind of like poof up and disappeared i think that this richard neller and jose rodriguez did have something to do with it i think that she did hear something and i think that the threatening calls and the harassment i wouldn't be surprised if it came from people that were kind of like involved in the drug trafficking or even jose himself exactly and she was she had given her two-week notice so richard neller knew that she was going to be leaving to go to bible college that didn't for to me the fact that she was only going to be around for two more weeks it probably frightened them as well. Like, well, we need to act and we need to act now. Mm-hmm. She only had like a week left of work and then she was going to be gone. Yeah. So that's my theory. I think that they abducted her. I think they murdered her. And I don't think we're ever going to see her again. It seems like a lot of people have kind of 
I don't want to say bought into that theory, but it seems like a lot of people have settled with that theory because it's the only plausible one. Well, and also the other thing is Richard easily could have set Jose up mm-hmm. and been like, he got obsessed with her. He did this. He yep. killed her. He wrote this thing. Yep. You know, easily he could have set it up that way. Well, and it was stated too that it's very possible that when she overheard something she shouldn't have heard, it's possible that Richard Neller said something to her like, oh, you know, if I were you, I'd be quiet. And that's when her nightmares began. That's when her night terrors began. That's true. Yeah. And in order to make sure to kind of like scare her. And she said her, she knew him. Yeah. The person that was killing her. Yeah. So it easily could have been yep, Jose she opened, or Richard. Mm-hmm, she opened the door because she recognized the man and she let him in. So it was a very real fear. And it's very possible that she could have been referring to Richard Neller, mm-hmm. that she was scared of what he might do. And that's another thing that it's just to me, it's so funny that they looked into all of these different investigators, looked into all of these different avenues and, oh, all these people just happened to check out and there's no there's nothing to go off of. Mm-hmm. But as we know, authorities are also not innocent. I'm sure there's police that are involved in the drug trafficking world. Oh, I'm sure. So I think that that's another reason why they kind of just brushed off all of these coincidences. They're like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. They don't want to be linked to anything, yeah. Yeah. It's just stuff. Well, She's yeah, just gone. When you bring in criminals, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? It's every man for themselves. So if any cop or any judge or any anyone is involved that mm-hmm. is a law enforcement or yep. part of the yep. um, system, they're easily going to point the finger and be like, well, well and the I only- want a lesser sentence because I can prove that yeah. he was involved. And the only reason that Richard Neller was even convicted of drug trafficking and it dated like back to when he started working at the law firm was because of this witness that also said jose rodriguez admitted to killing cindy Anders. so that's that's my theory to this day nobody has seen or heard from cindy her family still believes that she could be alive and they refuse to give up hope cindy's mother passed away in february of 1983 and her father passed away in january of 2008 literally up until his final day he believed that it was possible that her, his daughter was being held captive like in the basement and suffering from amnesia, so she had no idea to remember who she was or how to get home. So I can understand it. If you don't see a body, you don't see your loved one's body, it is it, literally it must feel impossible to imagine that they are mm-hmm. not alive. They're not gone. You're, they're not and yeah, I, gone. I know that there could be – there's a lot of theories that could be surrounding that she had a stalker and it, it's – this stalker got a hold of her and there's so many theories that have circulated about this case but to me the one that seems to be the most prominent and that people really kind of seem to be um, settling with is the Jose Rodriguez Jr. and Richard Neller I just think that it's most fitting like I said Richard Neller would have been able to one either let the abductor know about the secret alarm and also would have been able to tell the abductor how to gain Cindy's trust and how to gain access to the law office. Like if you get her trust or you tell her why you're there, she'll let you in. For and, sure. But I mean, again, he could have been the one to come into the law office and convince her to leave. So whatever happened to Cindy, I think she left the law office willingly. She took her purse and her keys with her. She thought she was coming back. She didn't roll the phone calls because she thought it was going to be really quick. She'd be right back. Yeah, because Richard could could have even called her Mm -hmm. 
Wait, were cell phones a thing? I don't think so. He could have, but he could have come inside and be like, "Hey, can you come help me get something out of my car?" Yeah. Well, my thing is, he could have even stood. He could have even stayed behind and said, "I'll get the phone calls." Why don't you you go? I'll stay here and get the mm-hmm. calls. And then she had no idea that she was basically leaving, like, in my opinion, to her death. Yeah. But to me, that's just why it seems so plausible that it's Richard Knoller. She knew him. She trusted him. She would have done whatever he said. In my opinion, she would have believed whatever he was saying. But I don't think she knew that she was walking into danger. I don't yeah. think she's alive. And, again, if it had something to do with the drug trafficking – that whole world is a scary world and the things that happen are unimaginable and you don't think could happen in real life but they do for sure cindy no joke yeah cindy would be turning 63 this year in february her case is still brought up from time to time and investigators will still put out bulletins with age progression photos and ask for anyone that has information to come forward and help solve the mystery of what happened to cindy anderson I did find that Richard Neller, he spent five or six years in federal prison for his crimes. Wow. And then he was released to a halfway house in Youngstown, Ohio. And now he lives in Toledo. I don't know if he's still alive or not. There was no obituary for him. It just stated that he moved back to Toledo in 2006 and he resides in toledo he's not he's allowed probably to, still part of the drug world <laughs> he's not allowed <laughs> to, to practice honest. law it says that he's under surveillance but what that means who knows well and for how long right he's not allowed to practice law by any means but um and then jose rodriguez jr he is still in prison so wow that's all i really know about them but i mean i'd be interested to hear anybody else's thoughts or theories if you've heard of this case what you think could have happened to cindy or if you know of something there was information out there about her but it was all basically the same information no one really knows concretely what theory to go with yeah this is again the theory that i went with that's just what i believe happened makes the most sense yeah nobody there's there's nobody definitively saying this is probably what happened to her that's just to me what makes the most sense because like i said she left there was no struggle and with how frightened she'd been feeling she wouldn't have left that office well, even a random with Jose, person. like let's say it was Jose that mm-hmm. walked up, she would not have gone outside with no. him. She wouldn't have, no. She wouldn't have unlocked it. No. no. She would have been very suspicious and yep. been like, why are you here? And I do, I mean, without like jumping too far down the rabbit hole, I do just wonder if there were some police officers involved and that's why her investigation kind of hit some snags and stopped a few times. Mm-hmm. Again, drug trafficking world is a... Crazy. Yeah. Crazy and I mean, unfortunately, there's corrupt people everywhere, mm-hmm. and Toledo is no. Yeah. No, Toledo um, hasn't been, still isn't. It's still, there's still corruption. I mean, there's corruption literally. Yeah, everywhere. All around. Mm-hmm. So, but if you or anyone you know has information regarding the disappearance of Cynthia or Cindy Anderson, please call the Toledo Police Department at 419-245-3340. As always, thank you for listening to Crime Connections. If you so kindly would please follow, share, and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. You can also join in on the discussion of these cases at our new discussion Facebook page, Crime Connections Podcast Discussion Board. And that's where you guys feel free to put in what theories you have or Mm -hmm. what you think could have happened. Or if you knew her. Yeah, like you yes, can, we, I would love, well, and even if you, you were 
around in Toledo in that time. I find it so interesting, people that are hearing about these cases like in real time. Yeah. What they thought during that time or yeah, what they were hearing. That serial the serial killer when they're when they were going around because they were literally opening doors when you were stopping at red lights and they mm-hmm. would take you out of your car and mm-hmm. kill you. I know a lot of people or I know a few people that were around Mm -hmm. during that time and she was saying that the amount of people running red lights because they were so afraid to stop at red lights and stop signs that it was insane she was like you could not drive yeah around that time when i kind of questioned my mom about this case she said that she just remembered that they kind of were believing it was dealing with drug trafficking but that it was a little unnerving to women and my mom was in, she was around the same age mm-hmm. as Cindy Anderson. So it was a little unnerving knowing that this woman just up and disappeared and nobody knew where she went. No yeah. one knew what happened to her. If you have any news tips or cases you want us to look into, please feel free to email or DM us. We love hearing from you guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys.